right, guys. Well, um, for the message this morning, we are going to be wrapping up a three-part series that we have been titling Around the Movement. Everybody say Around the Movement. So if you are newer here to Antioch, uh, what's so cool is that we're not only a local church, but we're part of a larger network or movement, as we call it, of churches called Antioch, and there's several in the U.S., and there's several overseas, and I, I personally just love it. I feel like there is more support, and there's strength, and there's relationship with people that are chasing after the same thing. We've got the same vision, same values, same heart. We're running after Jesus together and committed to seeing his kingdom come. And last week, how many of you guys were here last week? Raise your hand up. I think it's about maybe half of you. All right. Um, we had Austin Hoxie uh, come. He and his wife and a small team just moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma to plant the new Antioch Tulsa. Uh, and then the week before that, we had Jordan Ogden, who um, helped start Antioch um, in Ann Arbor, but now lives in Waco, Texas with his family. He came and shared. But this morning, you guys are in for a treat, all right? So, um, we, if you guys don't know our story, we were sent out from the Antioch and College Station, Texas, a little small town over there. We got a few Aggies, I think, in the room. Um, but uh, so we were sent from that church up here to start uh, Antioch Northwest Arkansas three years ago. And we have, we somehow, on a Sunday, we got that lead pastor from Antioch College Station to come up here and to preach on a Sunday service. Now, Last week, I know Austin was like, you know, tall, 6'4", dark hair, tall, dark, handsome. So is Tyler. But not every Antioch pastor is that tall and that <laughs> handsome. But uh, you get to have another one this morning. So give it up for Tyler Hardy. Take it away, man. All right. Wow. Man, I feel way more encouraged than our own church. This is great. I might make this a quarterly trip up here. Um <laughs> Well, you know, as Mitchell said, um, they were part of our church uh, there in College Station and did a great job with our college ministry, if you don't know their story, but man, they were just so faithful, and uh, I, I like to say that we kind of sneakily got them involved um, because when they were just at our church, said, hey, would you guys kind of help lead some life groups with college students and maybe oversee some of those, disciple a few students, and they're like, sure, and you know, you just kind of, as a pastor, you just got to lull people in. And then next thing you know, it's, hey, man, what do you think about being the college pastor? And uh, so he gave up his, his teaching career, I think high school teaching, right, both of them. And uh, so, hey, just you know, Mitchell's been there. He has dealt with those teenagers and trying to teach them. And uh, they did an amazing job. And then in 2019, just to prove it, I got a little picture, I think, up here. 2019, they actually were sent out. We said, all right, you guys, oh, no, well, that's my family. Yeah, you can stay there. All right, that's us. That's not Mitchell. Um, uh, that's, that's us in Guatemala. That's me, my wife, Ashley. Then you got Ethan and Graham and then Evelyn and Gwyneth and Madeline's the tiny one we're holding. So that was in Guatemala about a month ago. I went to Guatemala, did a mission trip there and just exploring what God has for Antioch, really, in Central America. And there's lots of uh, rumblings of trying to plant some churches, get some work going there. And so we went to Guatemala, and it was a blast and eye-opening and great for our family to go. So that's, that's my crew right there. Ethan's 13 down to 4. So there we are. Oh, but here's to prove it, all right? So you might notice a few of these faces. It's kind of one of those worst Waldo things. You know, you just got to look. Who do you see, right? You got Mitchell right there just looking perfect with his shades and everything good. I don't know what I was doing, yard work or something, I guess. Um, I'm not sure. Everyone's dressed, and there I am. I'm not sure what happened there. 
Um, but that's my wife, and of course, you got some other folks on the team here and staff. Lindsay and Madeline's over there holding not her baby. I think that's Arabella. Is that right? Yeah, it's a it's a Welch baby. So there you go. That's the crew. Uh, and so that was on our porch in 2019, and it was bittersweet. Excited to send them out, but uh, so that they could be part of this. And you guys are here really because not just them, but years of people faithfully praying, discipling, evangelizing, being the church. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. That's why my life's been transformed because there's a lineage of people that have just said, Jesus, I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to love the next person. I'm going to be invested here into the ups and downs of life. We are the church. And, um, This morning, I want to talk to you guys about the church, specifically talking about the church being the body of Christ. And, um, you know, as Mitchell mentioned, I'm the pastor down in College Station. Um, I also get to serve on the board of advisors for this church. So kind of at a distance, uh, along with Jamie Miller and Jordan Ogden, we get to pray for you guys and come in once a year and just are available to connect with Mitchell and the team about anything you guys need. So I just want you to know, you do have a covering beyond here locally, and not just with us three, but even as a movement, as, as Mitchell mentioned, you're part of something bigger. And, you know, you may not see all them, but for the 16 of you that just, just went to Dubai, you're there, and there's other people that are part of the Antioch movement that are there. We had teens go to Dubai this summer, and there's long-term workers there. And so I just want you to know that even though this is your hometown and your local place, man, uh, there's so many people across the nation. We always have people, I tell them, hey, when you go travel, pop into Antioch Church there. When you go to California, when you go to Boston, when you uh, go to wherever you're headed to, there's probably Antioch Church within driving distance uh, for you to go to. So just so thankful to be part of this movement and uh, part of really y'all's church um, in so many ways. Well, um, I'm going to start a little story here. So when I was a child, uh, probably around seven or eight years old, my brother and I, we would go to construction sites a lot. They were in our neighborhood, just go mess around, which is what boys usually do. So we would walk around, and one day my grandpa actually was in town, and he walked around with us, and we were walking through, and one of these boards, you know, at a construction site, you're taught to look out for nails sticking up, right? And, but I was a little kid and just didn't see it, so I literally stepped on a board, and this board comes up with a nail and goes, and smacks right into my leg. So I had a, a nail going through my calf, like through my leg here with this board stuck to it. Of course, the initial reaction is looking and then, you know, it's like the slow-mo. And so I'm like screaming at the top of my lungs. I pull this board out. There's blood everywhere. You know, I don't know if the nail was rusty or what was going on. So my brother, my older brother, like he just starts sprinting back home, you know, and we're like a mile away from the house. And... But we had driven to the construction sites, and my grandpa's like, Robert, get back in the car, you know. And so we get back in the car. We, we drive back to the house. My dad's there. He gets us. We go to the hospital, get us stitched up, and all that sort of stuff. But it was this memory I have of me being hurt, and literally the reaction from my brother was, hey, sprint to go get help, even though he probably was the person that I fought with the most my entire life, Right? Like, this is my brother, right? And if you have a brother, I, 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 don't want it's, I don't know what it's like on the sister's end. I do have an older sister, but, but you know, for me and my brother, we certainly fought. We argued. We wrestled. I was the younger brother. So there's always that going on. 
But in a time of need, man, he was the one willing to sprint to go get help. And, and yet he didn't need to because my grandfather helped us out and my dad helped us out. And I was thinking about, you know, in a moment with people, even as a kid or as an adult, what we need is we need the generations to help us. Like we need, we need the ones ahead of us and the ones below us and the ones side beside us, right? We need our peers. We need the mothers in the Lord and the fathers in the Lord. And we need the children. We need our peers to be a family, to be the body. And I oftentimes think about what is being missed this day and age with our disconnectedness from the generations, with, with what, what is being missed when we look at our relationships and you may realize everyone I'm close to is a lot like me, right? Everyone I'm close to has the same political views, the same uh, uh, hobbies, the same interests. We actually wear the same kind of shoes, like that more and more it almost gets to where we're a little more homogenous in that sense of there's actually not much even diversity in terms of interest or in terms of personalities or even giftings. And if we're not careful, we look up and everyone we hang out with are all musicians or all just athletes or really into this or really into that. And I think that God's plan A with the church was to make it to where many different people could be connected together, but there is one glue, right? That like Jesus is the glue. Oftentimes tell our church, I say, you know what? Honestly, most of us would not have been friends in high school. There's no way. I would have made fun of you. You would have made fun of me. We would have, I mean, absolutely. But in Christ, hey, we're family. There's no way I would have picked you as family because we're just so different. But in Jesus, Something about our differences, it, it makes it beautiful, right? So when we talk about the church, I'm going to talk just for a minute here about the body of Christ. I want you to have this context, which is the body is meant to be different. It is meant to be made up of many parts and that we have got to be um, looking at the church, not, this, not just this church, but the church in a way to say, man, the more unique it is and the, and the more that we learn to appreciate and honor and value that uniqueness and differences in people and in the church, man, we're so much stronger and better for it. You know, when you talk about the word church, many of you probably know this, but in, in the Greek, it's the word ecclesia, which is defined as either assembly or called out ones, right? So when you talk about the church, it's the assembly, it's, it's the called out ones, right? Oftentimes, People mistake the church for a building, right? It's not this building. This is a great building. I got to be here before you guys stepped into this place and got to see what it's like, and it looks awesome, by the way. Um, and But it's not the building. You could be under a tree. I told our church, hey, listen, if things get crazy, we'll just find the biggest tree and we'll make it work. You know what I'm saying? Or pitch a tent or something. I mean, it's fine. It's great to have all this, but that's not, it's, it's not the make or break, Right? The make or break is the people. It's the people of God. And so we're talking about people. So I want to look at two main passages today about the church, about the church being the body of Christ, specifically the body of Christ. You may hear many descriptions of the church. It may be the, uh, the bride of Christ, right? You may read in the Bible, it talks about it's the pillar and supporter of truth. 
But I want to talk about the body, that the church is the body of Christ today. And when we, we're going to open up to Romans 12 here in just a minute. And, you know, when you look at Romans 12, you have to realize that Paul spends the first 11 chapters of Romans. So this letter that was written, right, in the day, it was just a long letter he wrote. In this letter, the first 11 chapters of it were teaching us about the gospel. It's really him teaching, emphasizing the gospel of Christ, that we are sinners, that God is holy and just, that we are under his wrath and condemnation, but that God in his great mercy sent his son Jesus, right, to become the perfect sacrifice, to be obedient even to the point of death, which then makes it possible for us, for anyone who believes in him, to be made righteous. Like to be made righteous, to be justified. That's really what the first 11 chapters in Romans is about. And it's for all who trust in Christ. That there is, as the Bible says, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That is a good word. No condemnation. Oh my gosh, I hate being condemned. Whether it's me doing it or somebody else. I mean, condemnation just sends you down a little dark hole. But God says, hey, in Christ, who's there to condemn you? Who? Because I have cleansed you. I have redeemed your life. So Paul, he is writing um, to people in context. about to read these verses. He's writing to people. Now we get to chapter 12, okay? You have to remember, these are people that have already received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's not writing to people that don't believe about Jesus, that aren't interested in this. He's writing to the Christians, to the church, to the people who have already said, yes, I am redeemed. I'm living in the Roman Empire. It's a challenging day. There's persecution happening. But we are true followers of Christ. It may be like that young lady that she met, and uh, the, the young girl in Dubai who's from Syria. It doesn't feel like she can share it with anyone. Imagine a lot of people are like that. I don't know who I can tell it to, but they're believers in Christ. And so now Paul turns a corner here in Romans 12, and he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In other words, the Christian life is built on the mercy of God. We're not a people trying to earn the favor of God. But we are people who have been shown his mercy and his forgiveness and his grace. So that's how Paul starts this out. Then he continues on a couple of verses later in verse 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, through many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So now, this phrase, in Christ, it means that when you trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, that there is a, a, a unique union that is established, right, between you and Christ, something that's established so that now everything that was his is now yours, that he, he yokes himself, right? We, we have we have the great picture of marriage between a man and a woman. And when they are married, there is this idea of one flesh. There is this uniqueness, this sense of, 
It's it, like I tell people, it's not just it's not just a commitment. It's a it's a covenant. You are covenanting yourself. And we know this day and age that the idea of marriage for many is scary or I don't know what I think about that or whatever the cultural deal is or we've all experienced brokenness. We all have family and friends and people. I've got family who divorces or separation and challenges. And yet I always say that's not God's plan A, though. Like God's plan A is for there to be serving one another, for there to be a covenant, to be, to be a mutual submission in the sense of, man, I'm going to honor and love you, and I'm going to honor and love you, and we're going to care for each other, and there's this relationship, and it's no longer, hey, this is, this is my part of the house, so I'm going to put this blue tape down, don't cross it, or pay me a dollar when you cross this line, because that's my part of the house, right? No, no, it's, it's what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine, it's that idea, right? So with Christ, he says, all I have is yours. That's the exchange he gives us. So when you think about the body of Christ, remember, he is the head of the body. All right? So nobody gets to be the head. Sorry. A lot of us want to be in charge. Even me as a senior pastor, I'm actually not in charge. I'm part of the body. I'm not the head of the church. I may be the senior pastor at that local church, but I have a part to play. And my part to play is not more important than someone else's part to play. And I firmly believe that. I will, I, I honestly tell people, I, I am okay sweeping the floors or serving with kids and doing diapers. Not great, but I'll do it. I am okay. I'm, you're not going to put me on the worship team. And there's reasons for that we won't get into. But I don't really care because I have a value to just be part of the body. Like, I, I almost look at Jesus, hey, Jesus, put me in coach. What do you want me? We play offense, defense. What do you want? You want water? You want me to clean? What do you want me to do? I'm in. I'm in because I don't have to be some particular part of the body to be part of the body. Does that make sense? Sometimes people actually are waiting around for their specific spot in the body, so therefore they stay disconnected from the body. You're not actually part of the body. You're just waiting around for the perfect spot to open up. Oh, I can't wait till that arm falls off. Then I can slot in. Man, I've always wanted to be a mouth because I'm good at talking. So I can't wait for that guy to stop, and then I'll be the mouthpiece now. Right? Old Testament prophets. I'm the, you know, it's like, wow. The amount of time you miss out. I always tell people, listen, you want to, um, I, I would much rather be just at the table than having to have a certain seat at the table. And I, I think Jesus would back me up on that. He's more interested in you being at the table than about where you're placed at the table. He's at the top. He's at the head. We just get to be part of the body. So in Romans 12, 4 through 5, it talks about the body of Christ. And, and I also want to highlight another passage in 1 Corinthians 12, another letter that that Paul wrote. And what's interesting is when you look at Romans and, and Corinthians, you look at Ep uh, and, and Ephesus and all these different places and cities, and, and, and you look at these different books of the Bible, different letters are written, you start to see these themes that are being repeated. And you're like, man, didn't he already say that somewhere? Yeah, but you have to remember, Paul wasn't writing like a novel. He was looking at a church who he had helped plant and make disciples in. 
and raise up elders in and develop people and have to work through the culture. And then he was writing back to them as a people that he cared for, that he loved, that he valued, and it mattered to him what was going on in their city. And this shouldn't be a shocker to us, but, you know, what one society or culture is going through doesn't mean that they that other ones are immune to it it's just playing out a little differently or a little different timing so even the churches whether it was in Corinth or in Rome or Ephesus other places they had these similar things going on where he was having to reemphasize this so whenever you see a theme in the gospels or in the epistles the letters are written key in on that and say man this is being repeated it's not to say it doesn't all matter all scriptures God breathed I firmly believe that but there is an emphasis in places. Even look at the words of Jesus. I always tell people, hey, just look at the words in red and see what Jesus said a lot. Do a little study on that and figure out, man, he certainly talked about love a lot. He certainly talked about serving. He certainly talked about the poor a lot. Maybe I should think about that a little more, right? Versus, well, it was said once. That's great, but it wasn't said 100 times, right? So you always want to look for these themes, right? And one of these themes is is Paul talking about the body of Christ and the need for it to be the body. 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 12, sorry. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Sounds eerily familiar to what he just wrote in Romans 12, right? The body is comprised of many parts, but they can't function apart from one another. That's why um, you, you don't see anyone walking around without a head. It's not possible. Right? People can walk around without an arm. Right? There are people in wheelchairs, but not without a head. I think it's significant the way God made the body. Without the head, there is no hope. You can actually live without legs. You can live without an arm, amputation, there's people I know, of course, have been in war, different things have happened, and they are living, and they're not fully functioning in that sense, but they are alive, and they can think, and they can, because the head. So you got to remember, the body of Christ, the most important part is being connected back to the head. That's number one. Second to that, though, for the church, is, man, we got to work together. Because if not, I mean, if, if we're walking around cross-eyed, Right? Like if the body's not seeing the same thing. I know Austin talked about unity and love. It's like if we are the church and we're saying, no, this is what it is. And I mean, you just, you know, like I, we, we had this dog once and he literally lost his eye because of this raccoon got to him. It was just a bad deal, but he lived. And we got it patched up and he's a one eyed dog most of his life. Like he's having a two years old. His name is Benji. He's awesome. And, um, but he had one eye. You know, so he's this one-eyed dog, and it was just, he's a great little dog, you know, but I'm like, man, that poor guy, he just, he could not hang with the other dogs, because when you threw a ball, if he didn't see it, it's just, some of my friends were punked, you know, high school guy, you know, just played tricks on his dog, just quit doing that to Benji, you know, they'd, they'd be, you know, try to trick him, and he couldn't see with both eyes, you know, and I'm like, well, sometimes the church walks around like a one-eyed dog. So, like, you know, we don't see clearly. There's a veil. There's scales. We're missing something. Or we act like we're trying to play a sport with one arm, right? It's just you might be able to do it, but you're not going to do it fully. 
And I think for the church, we have to recognize that um, we are a body and we are many parts. And people these days have to consider, am I going to be part of the body or not? And I, I tell our church, um, you know, attending Antioch every so often, you're not part of the body. You're observing. That's okay. Like, you're not, like, you are attending. You are a guest, but you're not family. You're only family when you start acting like it, right? Um, it would be like me telling my kids, hey, it's time for our meal, and they decide not to come sit and eat. Well, we made a place for you. There's a place for you. Well, I'll come every other day, Mom. I'm good. It's like, but I, we prepared the suit for you. You told us you're going to be here, but you keep bailing. That's not really a family. I mean, I expect a neighbor kid to be like that. He pops in, you know, but, um, but, but God has something more for us. So let me go on. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I'm harping on this because I want it to sink in. <laughs> there are many parts, but one body. That does not mean there's only one church in Northwest Arkansas. Right? I tell people our part to play in Bryan College Station is we have a slice of the kingdom of God that God's given us responsibility over. So we're going to do our slice. I need Grace Bible Church to do their slice. I need Central Baptist to do their slice. I need a United Methodist to do their slice. I need this church to do their slice. I need all of you. So actually what I need to do is when I see those other pastors, hey, how are you guys doing? How can I encourage you? What do you need help with? I actually don't want your people coming to our church. I want you to lead and live on mission so that you guys continue to influence and disciple and encourage and reach people you're reaching. Don't come to our church. I want people who don't go to church. I want people who are skeptical about Jesus. I want people that are burned by the church. I want people that are lukewarm Christians. I want people that, are, that have an excuse about whatever. I want them. I like those ones. Like, come on, skeptic, you are welcome here. Because I'm going to show you Jesus, and you're going to introduce to him, and he's going to change your world. And you won't be able to live the same anymore. That's what I want, right? So as the body of Christ, we're not talking about, but we're talking about the body. So let's talk about this body for a minute. Um, every person has importance. I don't know. I know five or six of your names. <laughs> but what I can say is that God created you with intentionality, with gifting, um, and you are uniquely created, and your job is actually just to figure out where to plug in. And that's not just like on a Sunday morning. Don't hear me say the apex of my Christian experience is serving with children Sunday morning at the church. 
that's really a low bar. Like the pinnacle of my Christian walk is leading worship. You know, Macy, move aside. It's my time. It's not, oh, man, I can't wait. If I could preach one day, then I'd rather not be preaching half the time and just learning, honestly, you know? But when you say, hold on a second, God, have you made me? Okay. God, what capacity do I have right now in life? And that's going to change with seasons. You know, if you're single, you have more time you'll ever have the rest of your life. And I think, I mean, love it. Enjoy it. I loved being single. It was great. I, I literally, I don't despise a season of my life. You shouldn't either. Embrace the season you're in. Embrace what you're doing. And then when God moves the next thing, embrace that one. I don't despise having kids in diapers. That was a season, and there was unique challenges with it. But there was so much joy. I mean, I couldn't watch a football game today with just no noise with a baby laying on my shoulder asleep. Like, this is perfect. My wife always, she was like, it's, it's an Aggie football game? Great. I'm going to take a nap. Here's the baby. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> Bottle, nap, dad watched the game uninterrupted. It was beautiful. I had no complaints. You know? Yeah, did we like the sleep depravity at night? No. But there's trade-offs, right? Every season. So whatever season you're in, don't despise it. Embrace it. Love it. And whatever role you're playing within the body of Christ or whatever responsibility you have, position you have, own that and embrace that, right? And so if it's, if it's leading a life group, own that. If it's, if it's man, I've, I'm in this incredible season of, man, where my business is growing. I'm able to financially bless people and help them and not just bless them, but actually teach others how to get out of debt and work through things. Man, use that. Don't just be a wealth producer. Be someone else going to help other people understand what you've learned and disciple them in it. Don't just give them $10. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever, whatever it is, and here's what I would say, too. If you are younger, as in younger than me, I'm 39, okay? So you can just say younger than me. I'm not saying I'm young or old, just somewhere in the middle. Um, I would encourage you, um, give your time to things and just kind of trial and error versus waiting around for the one thing. Does that make sense? I did all sorts of stuff in church and community service and life because I just had to, I feel like just when you're younger, you just need to just go. Like, you need to do this and try that and do this. And you don't need to really worry about what you're really good at until later. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of emphasis on figure out how, what your gifting is now. I don't think I really thought that. It's like, where's a need? I'll fill it. And then you actually just start filling needs, start serving, you actually figure out who you are. Most people are struggling with who they are and their identity because they don't really do much. They just sit around wondering who they are. I don't know. I don't, I'd still be wondering. But I just started doing. I think if you're older and more mature in the Lord, you know. It's like, yeah, you just got to put your hand in the plow. And quit looking back and quit looking, is that grass greener? Is that just, I don't know, I'm here. And if it's serving with kids, if it's discipling some guy in the city, if it's helping with the poor, if it's, man, I'm going to go on mission trips every, every quarter. I'm using my vacation time and say, Mitchell, we need more mission trips. I'm ready to go. Man, every three months, send me. Like, I don't know what it is, but be a part of the body, right? Don't, don't just be on the edge saying, man, I hope that all goes well. 
because we need you. And, and sometimes you are part of the solution. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we can turn our own frustrations and, we look and it's like, wait a second, maybe if I helped, it actually might really be part of the solution. Does it make any sense? Because I, I always tell people, I tell my staff, say, hey, listen, if, if you've got a complaint, don't come to me until you have a solution. Go with that complaint. So I get a lot less complaints. So I'm like, hey, don't, don't just gripe about something. Be, be part of the body. Help us. Help see our blind spots, but help us and help us figure it out together. Amen? All right, last passage I want to read to you here, then we'll wrap it up here in a few minutes. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 26. He goes on with this body language. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Oh, I like that. Let's read that one again. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. Let's read that again. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There's a lot there, but the basis is this. We are called to honor the body, honor the people as we want our own selves to be honored, right? It's due to others you would have them do unto you. It's the golden rule, right? It's simple. Man, it's difficult to actually apply that, right? But I'm telling you guys, there are rewards and I was talking to my son the other day. My Ethan just turned 13, and um, anyway, so we were we were <laughs> we were at this we were at this baseball game. We went to the Houston Astros baseball baseball game for his birthday, and it's a big deal. He loves baseball, and we're there during batting practice. And um, and so I got my son Ethan Graham there, and you know if you get there for batting practice before the game, these players are knocking these balls, you know, and sometimes they throw them in the crowd. So, um, you know, ball gets hit, and they're throwing balls at kids in the crowd. Well, one of them, literally, it's a, uh, the guy hits it. We're, like, in the left field area. It's a rocket. And so I see this ball coming, and I'm like, I reach for it, but I was about six inches too short, okay, to get it. This other guy behind me hit his hand. It dropped down, and my son, Graham, literally, like, picked it up in his hand. And then this other kid literally ran over and grabbed out his hand. This kid. One of those like mean kids. You know what I'm talking about. Just make sure it's not your kid. <laughs> and, and it kind of just all happened. You could tell he was like disappointed and, you know, you know, I said, what do you do in this situation? So we were walking and I said, hey, bud, how you doing? He's like, it's fine. It's fine. And, uh, you know, that's, that's code word for it's not fine. You know, and um, I was talking to my older son, Ethan, we're walking. He said, Dad, 
I said, hey, buddy, I'm proud of you, man. My son was like, proud of what? What? And I said, son, there are things in life that you don't have tangible results from. But God sees everything. And it matters. Graham could have wrestled that ball away from that kid, but we're going to let him have it. And God will take care of us. We'll figure it out. If it's a ball or something else or who knows. But I trust God that he's going to take care of Graham. Because that moment Graham served that kid by giving that ball. That kid was mean about it, but we still served him and loved him in that. And I was thinking about how many times we have the opportunity in the church to serve and love someone who's mean. To serve and love someone who's actually not very grateful. Who's griping, complaining, nitpicking, critical. But I'm like, but isn't that what Jesus did with us? He served to people who mocked him, spit upon him. I don't know all of your journeys. I had my own journey. I don't, I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve. I tell people, so I, you have to remember, I don't deserve to go to heaven. I deserve to go to hell. That's what I deserve for my sin. But God said, Tyler, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a way out for you. But you got to surrender. Last thing I'll share with you is this. Um, you know, some people have asked me, hey, how'd you get involved with, with Antioch? And, you know, I grew up going to church and, and, um, and did that most of my life and went to different churches. And when I was in college, I just, I attended some churches. I wasn't a big churchgoer, and, but I still read my Bible most of the time and was trying to honor God in my own way. And um, I started dating Ashley, who's now my wife, and she went to Baylor in Waco, Texas, and um, she had started going to this church called Antioch up in Waco. And um, I would visit her and, and date her on the weekends, and we would go to church sometimes Sunday morning, and I just was just kind of taken aback because I'd been in church my whole life, and there was something different, and I couldn't put my finger on it. But years later, as I was reflecting, it's was like, man, why did, I, why did we want to be here? What was it? And, you know, oftentimes people will say, hey, I love Jesus. That's, that's pretty normal, you know, like in the church. Oh, yeah, you don't hear, I hate Jesus. Well, why are you here? You know, okay. So I think everyone's pretty much pro-Jesus, okay? But, um, and, and yet, you know, and, and even a lot of people are like, hey, I'm on board with, with, with the Great Commission. You know, like support it some way. What I'd never heard my entire life, and at this point I was like 21 years old, was someone say, I love the church. I didn't know that. And years later, I was thinking, these people love the church. Not like that it's perfect. There's a love for it. They understood something I didn't understand, which was they're loving the body of Christ. I'd seen it as an organization, as an entity, as something to add on to in my life when I had time, but I didn't go to bed too late. I didn't see it as the body. And when I love the people, I'm loving him. When I serve the people, I'm serving him. It's not indirect. It's actually direct. So I realized, why was I so drawn to this Antioch community? They love Jesus passionately, but they love the church. And I fell in love with the church. So much so, I went from a every now and then church attender guy, didn't care, to like, 
I'm all in. I wasn't even planning on being a pastor or anything, just, you know. I, I literally, I, but I committed. When my wife and I got married, we said, hey, we're local church people the rest of our lives. Wherever we live, whatever we do, if there's not a church there, we'll start one or figure that out or start a house church or something. But we are in for the local church. Through the ups and downs, through its good days and bad days, we are in because it's the body. And the church is the only thing that will remain. Not Walmart, not Amazon, not Meta, not that Tesla you want. It'll all burn. It will go. You're not taking any of that stuff with you to heaven. The church, right? Who wants to stand as we close this morning? I would be missing something, though, if I didn't end with this passage in Colossians 3, 14 through 16. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Here's what I want us to close this morning. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And what I want you to do is I actually just want you to picture heaven. Whatever that looks like to you. I know we have limited scriptures that describe heaven, revelation, and, you know, we may have read books or heard stories of people that have literally died and resurrected back to life or saw glimpses of heaven. And, but just, I want you to picture heaven for a moment. And what we do know is that in heaven there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more depression or sadness or murder or war, no more crisis. But not just that, but in heaven there's going to be people there, lots of people. I don't know how many, but lots. And the people there will be from every tribe, every language group or tongue, every nation. They're going to be there, at least a few of them. And those people will be rejoicing. I don't know what we'll look like, but I've always imagined just huge smiles. Like just the biggest smile you can imagine, the time you were just most excited and just giddy. It's just this overwhelming joy and life It's present. And you're going to look around, you're going to see people as far as the eye can see, and, and those people are the church. They're people who, just like you, walked on this earth, had to choose the narrow way of following Jesus instead of the world, had to give their lives to Christ and be washed and cleansed and baptized and changed, that there are people who were discipled and who went on mission or who served in kids' ministry or led a life group or 
helped the homeless or made a way for the poor or created business opportunities to help people develop and grow and as people who served in government and people who embraced orphans. It's people who preached the Word of God who some were persecuted and some weren't, but it's comprised of people. It's the saints. It's those that said, Jesus, you're it, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to love your body, your people. Just as we enter into a time of worship, I just want us to surrender again (laughs) to him and say, Jesus, this is not about me, but it's about you. It's about serving you. It's about serving them. So, Lord, I pray, would you help us? Do whatever you need to do in us, Lord, to, be us, to help us to be church people, <laughs> people that love the body of Christ, that we embrace it, that we take up our role in the body and say, Lord, I'm here. Don't allow me to disconnect, Lord. Let me stay engaged. Let me be connected to the people, even though it's painful at times, even though we feel you know, challenged. Lord, it's worth it. I wouldn't trade this family. God, help us to love one another, to willing to sacrifice one another again. We love you, Jesus. And we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tyler. Let's give it up for Tyler. Thank you for sharing, man. So good. All right, let me get uh, some of our life group leaders and our staff to come forward. Make yourself available to pray for some folks. We'd like to close out our service by responding to the Lord and responding even with one another to receive some prayer um, after uh, hearing a message like that. And I think the two, two main things I want you guys to be thinking about and talking to the Lord about during this worship song is, one, is there anything inside of my heart that like, puts a resistance to living out what Tyler just preached? When, what is that thing? And what's so cool is if you find something there, the Lord is not going to condemn you. <laughs> he wants to open our eyes so that we see what are those blocks, and he wants to help us overcome those hurdles. Some of us, it's pain. He wants to heal. Some of us, it's fear. He wants to remove that. And some of us, you like are unsure. Or it's insecurity of like, how could I even contribute anything? And the Lord wants to highlight that because he wants us free. He wants us whole. So talk to the Lord about that. See if there's anything there. And then the second thing is if you know there are... Um, there are things that you haven't offered yet or contributed within the body of Christ, and you're, you're like, okay, I'm ready. I see it in the Word of God. I want to be a contributor. I want to add to the body of Christ. Then um, just ask the Lord for grace. Come up to one of these people and say, will you pray for me for that boldness to take that next step, whatever that next step might be. For some of you, it's literally just like going to the back and saying hi to some of our staff and let, letting us know that you're here and that you are interested in being a part of our church. For some of you who have been around for a while, but you need to go to your life group leader and say, hey, I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to do something to contribute to this life group. Whatever that might be, but we need the boldness and we need the grace from the Lord to respond in those ways because sometimes it's hard. So hopefully that made sense. Let me pray for you guys one more time, and then the band's going to lead us in a song, and then we'll close it up. 
So, Lord, we just thank you again for this morning. We thank you for this message. And we just pray right now in these next uh, few minutes, these last five minutes, that, Lord, you would reveal to us the things that we need to realize are inside of us. And we thank you for your grace to help us in our journey. God, give us the courage, give us the boldness that we need to take these next steps for us to really be that strong and healthy and unified body of Christ working together by your love. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come receive prayer if you guys want some prayer this morning.